What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We're back with another edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm Emily Jashinsky, Culture Editor here at The Federalist. As always, you can email the show at radio at thefederalist.com. Follow us on Twitter at FDRLST and make sure to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts as well. Today, I'm happy to be joined by my colleague, Elle Reynolds. Elle is an assistant editor at The Federalist and also sort of our unofficial Florida correspondent as a former Florida resident, if I'm correct in that sort of legal distinction uh, between the L of Northern Virginia and the L of Florida, but L has covered closely and in fact has interviewed Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, she just covered uh, the video that Chris Rufo published uh, from Inside of Disney, where a Disney employee, and I'm going to ask L to give us the details, said, oh yeah, absolutely, we are injecting queerness that's a quote, uh, wherever we can into programming, or at least on that individual's behalf. That was the claim. So, Al, tell us about uh, the story, and, and we can, from there, um, I want to dive into Florida politics and what they tell us about uh, our politics in this country more broadly. Sure. So, it actually was more than one employee. Um, it was several, including at least one executive. Um, but the one that I think you're referencing is LaToya Ravenaugh who's an executive producer for Disney television animation. And like you said, she she was quoted saying, you know, I, wherever I could, I was just basically adding queerness, um, <laughs> which I just, that's just a weird way to put it either way. Yeah. Um, but like, and I think she even used a specific example. She was like, wherever we can have two people kiss, uh, you know, two same sex, a same sex couple kiss. So that's I did it. Right, like, like in the, the Buzz Lightyear movie. Yes. They just announced they're putting the, the same-sex kiss back in mm. as kind of a backlash to this this bill in Florida. Um, but yeah, she even, like, and, I, and this again, this is a quote. She mentioned her, quote, not at all secret gay agenda <laughs> yes. in the same conversation. Yes. And I think the important implication there, and, and uh, you can give us any other details you think are salient, but I think the important implication there is that uh, this is intentional. It is not as though um, it's, it's incidental, and that's what they want you to think. They're like, well, what's the big deal about having an incidental uh, representation of homosexuality? You know, it's part of our world. It's part of our culture. Thus, it will necessarily sort of incidentally be represented in the art that Disney produces. No, they're saying they are intentionally, um, it sounds like disproportionately representing it. Um, and it's a, an agenda that this woman used the word agenda. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, this, it's not like we haven't seen LGBT characters in Disney movies and TV shows before, but what's happening is they are, they're mad at Governor DeSantis. They're mad at Flo mm -hmm, the Florida legislature mm -hmm. for passing this bill. And so um, Disney and the extremely woke employees, who knows if it's, it might be a small but vocal minority even, 
Um, they're mad at Governor DeSantis and they want to get back at him. And so what they're doing is they're taking it out on the children and the families that they produce content for. And they're inserting, like you said, these agendas to get back at, at Governor DeSantis. OK, so that's exactly where I wanted to go next, because this is happening in the context of the so-called don't say gay bill <laughs> and the controversy surrounding the don't say gay bill. I believe it was signed into law, right? Governor yes. DeSantis. So mm-hmm. he signed it into this law. Week. And um, as it was making its way through the Florida legislature, it, this this exploded into a controversy at Disney, right? It wasn't just this last video that Rufo released. It was the Buzz Lightyear stuff. There, was, there were a lot of things going on at Disney. Right. And what's interesting, something Governor DeSantis pointed out um, in the last couple of days, Disney was never reaching out to members of the Florida House, to the Florida House Speaker, when this bill was making its way through the House. Mm. Um, Disney employees and then Disney corporates followed quickly after. They went after this bill when it became, when Governor DeSantis kind of became the face of it, um, which is interesting because I, I think they are intimidated by Governor DeSantis. He's pushing back on their culture war. Um, and so I think that's, it's interesting that that is when Disney started paying attention. Oh, you just said something really important. Um, you, you said their culture war. And I, I feel like the Federalist has finally, like, this is this is your uh, your Federalist training has, <laughs> yeah, the, the Federalist brainwashing has commenced. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's, it's not brainwashing. It's completely accurate. This is the culture where the left is fomenting and it's being, Governor Ron DeSantis is being framed as this this sort of um, insatiable culture warrior who can't get enough. He just wants to be talking about sex and gender and gayness and all of this stuff as much as he possibly can because man, he's just a he's just a culture warrior. But it's really the companies like Disney and the teachers that are forcing mm-hmm. Governor DeSantis to have those conversations in Florida, is it not? Yeah. I mean, most Americans, I think a couple of decades ago, or even maybe a couple of years ago, would never have considered that we would need a bill saying teachers should not be talking to five-year-olds, to kindergartners, kids that still have their baby teeth, about their sexual orientation, their sexual ideology, their, their sexual agenda. This isn't something we need to be teaching in kindergarten. Kindergartners need to be learning how to share their toys and how, how to respect their teachers. Um, and so the fact that there's even a need for this bill, much less the fact that there's such a backlash to it, I think it's indicative that Governor DeSantis did not start the culture war he's in now. Is there a need for this bill? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like the, the catch-22 of like the people that say, well, we're not teaching critical race theory, but how dare you ban us from teaching mm-hmm. critical race theory? Like if, if it wasn't in there, if it wasn't endemic in our schools then why would anyone be mad about saying that we can't teach it? It's like, you know, banning something that doesn't exist. And Disney sort of proved this point, right? You exactly. Know, and, and it's not the... It, Governor DeSantis isn't banning gayness in Disney movies. Oh, exactly. The word gay isn't company. even in the bill. Right. It's not, in, it's not in the bill that deals with schools. And so uh, <laughs> the... Florida is an interesting state, and you can give us more context on this, but a sort of purple state with some very deep red areas um, and some deep blue areas, of course, as well. But is is there in Florida a a real problem? The left will say no. The, the left will say, of course not. This is they want to have their cake and eat it too, and say he's he's chasing a straw man, um, and you know this isn't a real thing. He's just a an insatiable culture warrior, et cetera, et cetera. But um, 
in Florida schools, even in a state that does have some deep red pockets and is purple and does have a Republican governor, um, have have we seen instances of critical race theory? Have we seen instances of of wildly inappropriate, age inappropriate teaching about sexuality? Well, well, you mentioned Florida being a purple state. We've actually seen it in, in deep red states. I think it was Idaho, yeah, um, where there was a report of teachers trying to to pressure this young girl to identify as transgender. So, um, of course, it's it's endemic. Of course, we're seeing it everywhere. If it wasn't there. If no one wanted it to be there, then no one would be complaining about getting rid of it. And, and you made a good point just a second ago that the word gay um, isn't in the bill <laughs> because it's been called the don't say gay bill. Um, and Governor DeSantis made that point on, on Tucker's show last night. He said the word gay does not appear once in this bill. Now, I actually think the language of the bill is... Um, overly broad. I, I think it could have been more precise, but I, I also think that the left's fear mongering about it is is wildly out of control. Uh, so, Elle, if this bill doesn't say gay, <laughs> what does this bill do? Uh, okay, can I come? Can I come back to this question? I, w- I want to on the topic um, of kind of the, the way yeah. that the, the left has taken this bill and care so radically mischaracterized please, it. I want to read um, Nadine Smith. So this is another thing that Chris Rufo published. She's uh, an activism partner of Disney. Um, <laughs> what? Wait, 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 wait. What the heck is that? Great question. No, that's how Rufo described her. She um, She's from Equality Florida. Um, but she was in this Disney call um, and she is. She was describing the, the vitriol, the reaction that, that she and others are having to this bill. And she said, we're, we're reacting from the reality that when they can erase you, when they can criminalize your existence, when they can demonize who you are, the next step is to criminalize you and take your kids. So they're literally taking this bill, which bans teachers from teaching their sexual agendas to kindergartners. And they're suggesting that Governor DeSantis wants to use this bill to kidnap your children. Well, okay, so let me, since you brought that up, I'm bringing up AOC's Instagram post. Did you see this, Al? Um, about Ron DeSantis. It's completely unhinged. Um, But it's, (laughs) I think it's worth reading because it reminds me of exactly what you just read, um, which was just like the the fear mongering and from people, by the way, that are treated as credible actors um, in the media. It's unbelievable. She posted this on her Instagram story as one does when they are a legislator. Um, Let's find it. Okay. AOC. Um, She's saying to the point that you just made, basically, that it's (laughs) like there's this is some sort of crypto fascist agenda. um, And that here, I'm going to find it, that what Ron DeSantis really wants is uh, is total control over people and all of that good stuff. And she writes this like, super long uh i mean it's got to be like a couple hundred words i don't know um i can't find the word for word right now but she's doing the exact same thing you just mentioned l where she's um saying that this is this is a crypto fascist agenda that they're trying to erase um you know the the reality that gay people exists and that homosexuality exists and um, but it's all about sort of control uh, over individuals, which is just is completely amazing coming from people who just uh, 
had enforced COVID lockdowns for two years. Well, well, you know who <laughs> you know who is doing what AOC's. It sounds like she's accusing Florida of and um, banning effeminate men from from television. It is communist China that Disney <laughs> is working with. Oh, oh, okay. So the the that is an entirely different wrinkle in this, and we will absolutely get to that. Um, before we do, what does this bill? Sure. What is this bill? We've talked about it on the show, but we haven't fully uh, dove dove into dived dove. You're the editor. <laughs> I'm an editor too, actually. <laughs> you were an editor first. I think the word is divin. Um, into into the divin. yeah yes into the legislation itself. Um, what does the bill do? Sure. So so one of the parameters of the bill is this is specifically for kindergarten through third graders. And that's something that the corporate media has repeatedly left out in their coverage of this bill. They want you to think that we're talking about high schoolers here. Mm-hmm. No, we're, we're talking about young elementary school kids. Um, but what it does is it's protecting parents' right for, for their children not to be taught these, these explicit sexual agendas in their in the schools in kindergarten through third grade we don't we don't need kindergarten through third graders hearing about their teachers um sexual identities or or their teachers opinions about um the different the different sexual um agendas and and perspectives um that are circulating in in the american conversation today that's not something that we need kindergarten through third graders to be learning about. <laughs> and so this bill protects the parents' ability to keep that from happening. Um, and I, I believe it gives parents the ability to sue the schools. I, I could be wrong about that. but No, I, I think that's correct. Um, and I actually think that's a big part of the bill. This could save you a lot of stress. We all know life is already complicated, so what if getting term life insurance to protect your family could be easy? Fabric has moved life insurance all online, so getting a policy that's right for your family isn't complicated at all. Fabric was built specifically for parents to help you manage your family's financial future like a parenting pro, stress-free. Fabric's new lower prices mean significant savings over other providers with great policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Everything is on your schedule with Fabric because it's all online. Less than 10 minutes to apply and you can be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Then all you have to do is personalize your quote to fit your family's needs and you will be set with high quality, affordable protection for your family. Fabric is fully backed by Vantus Life, one of the most trusted names in life insurance since 1847. So you can feel confident you're getting a high quality policy that meets your family's needs. With Fabric's online hub, it's quick and easy to track your family finances all in one place. Get fast, affordable life insurance, create a will for your family, set up your kid's college savings plan, and even establish a rainy day savings fund. Planning for the future has never been easier, or I would say more parent-friendly. There's no risk to apply today. Fabric has a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. So protect your family with term life insurance now in just 10 minutes. Apply today at meetfabric.com slash federalist. That's meetfabric.com slash federalist to start protecting your family today. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash federalist. Fabric insurance agency policies issued by Vantis Life. Not available in New York and Montana. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. 
Um, and, you know, again, like, are there reasonable ways to disagree on that question? Yeah, but there's no reasonable interpretation of the language of the bill. Um, and, and by the b- before the bill became this huge issue, I went, this was a long time ago, this was more than a month ago, um, I, I think. I was on uh, Rising on Hill TV, and this was like right after the bill, the text of the bill had come out. So I looked up the text of the bill, I read through the text of the bill, and I was like, hmm, you know, some of this language isn't great, but this is innocuous. Well, why Why are we talking about this? <laughs> this, is, this is literally like saying you cannot, the intention of the bill clearly was to keep these wildly age-inappropriate questions about sexuality out of the, the classroom, especially as they relate to really young children. Um, and this, you, you might, again, have, have more to add to this, but these, these questions about sexuality are often brought up in the conversation of gender, and they're often sort of accompanied by substantive curricula. And that's in the bill, right? The bill talks about how you cannot, um, it, the, the language of the bill is that like, it can't be in instruction, Right. That like class instruction, I think of the, I think is the word that is uh, specifically specifically used. And that is it. Yeah. yeah. I just saw you control F it. Yes, I'm <laughs> yeah, pretty no, sure I've it's instruction. It right Classroom instruction <laughs> yes. by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three. Okay. Or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate. Right. And so instruction is a word that can be interpreted broadly. Of course. Of course it is. Um, and that's where I, I don't love the broadness of the language. But it's clear from that sentence, which is like what has everybody up in their arm, up in arms, is, that, is saying that like this cannot be part of the curricula. This cannot be, you cannot be standing in front of the classroom. It isn't the same as listing the names of, you know, saying Sally's moms, um, Janet and Susie are coming in. That's not classroom instruction. And it maybe if, if someone has a really good lawyer, they can prove that that's instruction, <laughs> but that is not classroom instruction. Right. And I think the the fact that Disney and the corporate press are taking these these ridiculous misconstructions of the bill to the point of, of like I read a few minutes ago, conspiracy theories, that's proof that they can't fight this bill on the merits because, like you said, it is completely innocuous. It shouldn't be controversial to want to keep this kind of conversation out of our kindergarten through third grade classrooms. And so they are resorting to attacks on uh, things that the bill doesn't even say and never meant to say and w- never even, you know, never said. Um, and so I, I think that is indicative of the bill's uh, innocuousness because because they can't fight it for what it actually says. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, uh, Disney, let's let's get into this since you brought it up and it's completely accurate. Uh, Disney is very upset about and, and they've um threatened to protest different states like Georgia before. Um, and Georgia has this huge, and we've covered this at length in full episodes before. Oh, I'd love has, to see Disney boycott Florida. It would get rid of so many tourists. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, although with those tourists, uh, yeah, you would no, lose that, a lot of uh, economic stimulation and business and uh, general prosperity probably. But uh they had Georgia has these huge tax credits. Um, and so a lot of people film movies in Georgia. They film TV shows in Georgia, Walking Dead, stuff that's clearly like some of the stuff you wouldn't have any idea was in Georgia. <laughs> but, um, they, they have a huge uh, credit program. So it's cheaper to film movies there. And they do. And Disney once threatened to pull out because of a pro-life, leg- pro-life bill mm-hmm. um, of Georgia, which is, again, amazing because 
they function in China. They operate in China. They have, uh, they, they bank on, they, their budgets involve making money in China and, and getting their movies to Chinese audiences past the CCP censors. Um, so uh, how does, I mean, th- this is like, uh, it, people in Florida have to realize what's happening, right? I mean, there's so, such a stark contrast. Yeah, well, on the on the topic of the pro-life bill in Georgia, I mean, the Chinese, the, the communist government in China is uh, performing forced abortions on on women in uh, in camps in um, the, the the government has put Uyghur Muslims into. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, they're, they're doing these forced sterilizations, forced abortions, these horrible procedures on these women. And yet Disney has no problem with it, apparently. Um, but but back to your question about Florida. I mean, yeah. I think everyone knows Walt Disney World is not going to like pick up and, you know, just walk over to another state. Um, It's a huge, lucrative uh, industry. And I mean, Disney, Disney is driven by money, like most corporations are. It's driven by money more so than it is. If it can look woke, great. And generally, you know, does so for money. Um, But Walt Disney World would, would be stupid to try to do anything like boycotting Florida. And, and they know that. And Ron DeSantis knows that. So tell us more about why. Uh, tell us more about why Disney would be stupid, um, because it, it seems obvious, right? Like, it seems like such an obvious point. But as somebody who's actually from Florida, tell us what Disney means to Florida and what uh, Florida means to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Disney's the, the largest employer in Orlando, which is one of our one of our bigger cities right in the middle of the state. Disney um, is it the largest employer in the state, uh, or is it just Orlando? I don't as far know as off the top know. of my head, but Orlando um, at least. But yeah, yeah. at least in Orlando, uh, it's a huge employer. There's there's the parks, which of course there's there's four different parks, um, and then several hotels, and then um, adjacent you know Disney timeshares and water right. parks and downtown Disney or whatever it's called now. And so, um, Florida with you know, it's great weather with it's already so when people are coming for a spring break, you know, you're not going to get snowed out of a, a Walt Disney World trip. Um, <laughs> Florida is this this place that Walt Disney World has has the Disney company has chosen to put Walt Disney World. I think it was built in like the 60s. Um, and so that's, of course, been extremely lucrative for Disney. Um, you can't pack up, you know, probably hundreds of acres and just dozens and hundreds of buildings and rides and hotels and restaurants and this whole brand that Disney's kind of created its own little mini city. Um, you can't pick up and move that to a less red state just because you're mad at Rhonda Santos. <laughs> <laughs> well, and by the way, I finally found the AOC quote. This was on her Instagram story. Um, someone asks her, what do you think about the don't say gay bill? And this is like 300 words that she put on an Instagram story. So I won't read all of it, but she says it is dangerous, bigoted and disgusting. Um, she goes on to say, whether a person likes it or not, LGBTQ people exist, thrive, and are leaders in our society. None of us gets any say in the heteronormative messaging that surrounds all of us from day one. Can, can we just stop making up words like that? Heteronormative. heteronormative. Yeah. So heteronormative is real, though. Like, that's a real thing. Where our society is heteronormative in that our norms are around hetero like our norms are organized around heterosexual coupling and, sure, and no, heterosexual that, marriage and heterosexual sexuality and they're actively trying to destroy the norm no that, i mean that's 100 percent right. true i think there's just so much jargon in this conversation well and to your point um 
unless there's an alternative, you don't need the word heteronormative, really. You don't need to distinguish unless you're trying uh-huh. to say, you the know. The normative is bad. Well, yeah, right, that there's an, there, there's an alternative norm. Um, and that's clearly part of it. So she says, uh, this is where it gets to what we were <laughs> just talking about. She says, the control of our bodies, families, and gender roles slash identity has theocratic, fascist, and imperial roots. <laughs> an attack on one is an attack on all. And all of this, by the way, is because Disney or because Ron DeSantis um, had a, a pushed through a bill, signed a bill into the law that was went through the democratic process of our system of government um, that said you can't do this for children. How what did what's the age in the bill again? Like kindergarten to third grade. Kindergarten to third grade. Five to nine year olds. Five to nine year olds, and that's theocratic, fascist, uh, imperialist. I just, I, what stood out to me from what you read from AOC was the fact that I, I guess Democrats care about bodily autonomy again. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, of course they do. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, well, that was always a contradiction, um, oh, yeah. but an amazing one. But um, back to, to Disney, because she used the word uh, fascist, theocratic and imperial. <laughs> Just brings us right back to to Disney and to the Chinese Communist Party. Mm-hmm. Um, these corporations want to boss Americans around on their politics, um, and that's what they're doing. That's that's what Disney, which I think you know, would rather not have to deal with this. They have employees who would love for them to lean right into politics. Um, and and you already said earlier in this conversation that employees really stirred up a lot of this. Um, mm-hmm. And but I do think the sort of boomer. Um, executives would love to stay out of these kinds of things. Um, but corporations, they want to, they now, because they're being pushed by these younger millennial employees to become activist corporations, they have to get involved here, but they will not touch. They will not be activists when it comes to the Uyghurs. They will not become activists when it comes to religious freedom, freedom of the press in China, all of these issues that they, if anybody disagrees with them once, on something small in the United States, well, they will freak out and, you know, compare you to a, a theocratic, fascist, imperialist, whatever. But in China, they're silent. Well, I mean, Disney makes so much money in China, but these, these corporations, they know the Chinese Communist Party is not going to bow to the, the their woke demands. But the, the problem is we see too many conservatives here in, in America do just that. We see Christy Nome, not to Disney, but bowing to corporate interests and corporate pressure um, for on the issue of protecting girls' sports, although she flipped, thankfully, yes, but she, thankfully she flipped, and that's a that is a should be a lesson, right, to uh, elected Republicans that you cannot get away with this anymore. Yes, and that's why we need more people. Like, I'm thankfully Christy Nome flipped. We need people like that. We need DeSantis um, and people like this who will stand up to these woke corporations and say, no, you can't boss us around. You, no one elected you to to pass laws in this state or to pass laws in this country, um, right. but they know that 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 they can't boss the Chinese Communist Party around, and so they don't even try. Well, in, in recent days, we've seen Republican governors make disappointing decisions on this, and and this brings us to an important line of questioning I wanted to uh, chat about, which is Ron DeSantis and and his communication style in general. Um, he has handled this bill basically putting on a clinic 
in Republican comm strategy. Um, and it's not just about the messaging. Like sometimes messaging is policy. The way that you talk about these issues and the way that you prioritize different issues, like like the Florida Republicans even pursuing this piece of legislation is huge in and of itself, as opposed to just saying it's a private or it's not a private company. I keep I have Disney on the brain, um, but it's these are our schools and our teachers and the teachers unions will freak out and we will lose this battle because the media is on the side of the teachers unions, et cetera, et cetera. So we are just hands off and we will hope that this kind of goes away. We're just going to pull the covers over our eyes and hope that the monster goes away. It won't. Um, and so it's a big deal in and of itself that I think the Florida Republican Party took this on. L, how influenced, how much has the DeSantis mentality influenced Florida politics? Well, I think, I mean, even at, earlier in our conversation, you called Florida kind of a, a purple state. I think it, it was a purple state. It may go back to being a purple state. Um, I'm he, sure it will at some point. But and right he now, won by a hair. Oh, yeah. To Andrew Gillum, who yeah. <laughs> had all kinds of dirty laundry. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, Florida, I, I don't think anyone would argue with, with the the idea that Florida is a very red state right now. And I think that is due to DeSantis um, and the Florida legislature going on the offensive and not backing down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and do you think them actually even taking up this issue? It, because it's, I actually asked Marsha Blackburn about this. Um, and, and she said, you know, I asked her about the DeSantis strategy. And she, she said, you know, something I learned in my sales and marketing career is to sometimes the best answer to a question is to use a question. Um, and I think DeSantis has actually used that strategy. Uh, sometimes when the press asks him a question, he'll ask, you know, what, what are you talking about? Like, what, what are you saying? Uh, which I think actually is very effective. Um, but this is a, this is new for the Republican Party, and a lot of people refer to DeSantis as Trump without the Trump baggage. But I kind of think DeSantis is his own thing. I think he he is uniquely effective um, at taking a question from the media and flipping it, or at pitching legislation like we saw this pitched in Florida as a parents' rights bill. And Republicans used to be so bad at that. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of Republicans still are bad yes, at it. That's no, I wrote a piece a week or so ago on uh, eight different lessons that Ron DeSantis can teach us on how to engage the corporate media. Um, and like you said, one of them, I think, on the list was, you know, turning the question back around and kind of forcing them to reckon with their own um, narrative, it, acknowledging the narrative in the first place. Um, but. But yeah, absolutely. DeSantis has brought he he makes um, topics digestible. Um, like I he had a great um, response when Leah Thomas won the NCAA. Um, I think it was a four hundred. I don't watch women's so uh, swimming, but uh, you, you could just um, say L. You could have just said I don't watch women's sports. Well, I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, after Leah Thomas won, DeSantis came out with a, a statement congratulating Emma Wyant, the, the second place winner, as as the winner. So I think like having kind of that that pithy, witty, cut through the the jargon response to uh, and, and not playing along with the narrative that that too often the corporate media presents their narrative and uh, Republicans and politicians will fight back on the media's own terms. Uh, and they don't have to. And I think DeSantis is showing and reminding them that they don't have to. It's incredible to watch. And I, I again, like I, I mean, I actually don't follow Florida politics closely enough to have 
a, a very uh, like well-informed or nuanced opinion of how good of a governor Ron DeSantis has been. But in all of these media controversies, he's been uh, excellent and excellent exactly. I mean, he, he's been instructive and, you know, sort of putting on these clinics and how um, Republicans and, and not just Republicans, but people who are outside the sort of uh, far radical left that's now mainstream and can control of all of our institutions. Um, anybody who wants to oppose that should be watching Ron DeSantis. And, and Al, on that point, I want to ask, as, as a state that does historically have a good number of independents to the point where they can swing elections, do you think Ron DeSantis is really appealing to to that crowd right now by taking on issues like uh, the like education and uh, taking on woke corporations um, and, and leaning into fighting back against the left's culture war? Um, because Republicans used to be under the impression that would lose you a lot of votes, especially among independents. I sure hope so. And I, and I think I'm sure he is at least reaching the people who can, are able to see past the the corporate media smokescreen. Um, because I mean, like we talked about earlier, they have definitely um, approached this bill with really a, a, they've launched a propaganda campaign of, you know, the, the, it's a don't say gay bill, even though that's completely untrue and inaccurate. Um, but I, I think for the people who are able to see through that smokescreen, um, he's he's got to be effective. We saw up here in Virginia how parents, uh, not as Republicans, Democrat, independent parents, apolitical parents, all were able to unite around the idea that we shouldn't have this kind of stuff in our kids' schools. And so I think absolutely you're going to see the same thing in Florida from a governor who is even uh, arguably even more on the offensive. If you watched our documentary about what happened in Virginia, Meet the Parents, Elle was uh, the person behind uh, many of those interviews. So you, you may have heard her off camera and you certainly heard if you watched the film, um, which is still up, of course, on our YouTube, on our Rumble and, and anywhere on our social media. Um, Elle was uh, conversing with those parents. As well. So you've had uh, these experiences in two pretty crucial states for the culture war and the K through 12 battle. Um, and I, I'm also curious, well, we're talking about uh, the issue of Ron DeSantis and, and the way Ron DeSantis handles the press. If you think um, that Ron DeSantis has made the Florida media better by putting the fear of God in them, or, and this is not a leading question, you may say, absolutely not. They're worse because that's what happened on a national level with Donald Trump. Um, is he may, are they becoming more radical and activist because they hate DeSantis so much? Oh, I think absolutely the latter. I think they're scared of him and they, they are, um, you, like you said, just like we saw with the national media reacting to Trump. Um, I think DeSantis has kind of brought, um, but by challenging the narrative that they have, um, he's kind of brought this conversation out of the shadows and, and forced them to defend really the indefensible like we see with this bill. The last time I interviewed Ron DeSantis, he was a member of Congress, and you've interviewed him, Elle, since he was governor. Um, for for listeners who haven't met the governor, interviewed the governor, uh, what's he like um, as a journalist when you're sitting down to interview him? What's Ron DeSantis like? Oh, he's great, very friendly, uh, very open, very confident. Um, but it, the, the main we talked about a lot of different things in the interview, which is up on, on the Federalist website, um, and I think on our YouTube as well. Um, but his, I mean, the main takeaway from the interview that he he focused on again and again was Republicans have got to stop being content with losing slowly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got to we've got to go on the offensive against these things instead of just slowly letting them creep in and counting it as a win that we can whittle down a five trillion dollar budget to three trillion or, or you know whatever the numbers are. Um, so I, I think that's really what he has a focus on, and and he's been doing that in Florida. Do you, I, I'm looking at your computer screen, and it seems that you have your article up with what was it lessons from uh, DeSantis. Yes, eight lessons from the Ron DeSantis school of dominating the corporate media. <laughs> <laughs> just read through the headlines of each of those eight lessons. Sure. Number one is just acknowledge that the press has a narrative. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Number two, don't call media mainstream. Call them what they are. So what is he, how does he refer to the media corporate? Smear merchants. Smear merchants. Okay, okay. <laughs> I say I say legacy. Um, they're also, those, this, these are not mutually exclusive, though. They can be the legacy media and smear merchants. Yeah, and in fact, up. they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, number three, you catch more flies with wit than boring press releases. Mm, okay, so that's inter- an interesting part of the strategy, right? So it's not just flipping the narrative. It's not just taking up the right issues. It's also doing it in a uh, clever and compelling way. Sure. There's so much information at people's fingertips. They're never going to to process or even be interested in processing everything that's available to them. So you've got to make uh, what you're saying sound interesting and sound like something that people are going to notice and remember uh, amid a sea of dishonest media headlines. Mm-hmm. You know who's really good at that was Ronald Reagan. Um, and of course, he's a great communicator, but there that's, that sounds like a cliche, but there actually really is something about um, turning a phrase uh, in a way that sort of sticks in somebody's mind, especially it's, it's definitely an art in politics. It's not easy to do. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the next thing on the list, um, number four, don't take the bait to fight your friends harder than your enemies. The media wants so badly yep. to pit DeSantis and Trump against each other. Um, and they've tried, and they aren't. DeSantis isn't taking the bait. Um, and I think that's been very significant, very helpful for him. Well, and it's also sort of... It's like I think I called it on another podcast, like a sexual fetish for so many people on the right. Um, to oh, I hate that, but you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, to to punch rate, and again, like by all means, when it needs to happen, it needs to happen, and the, the you know you you have to sort of be sure that you know you are affiliating with and promoting uh, virtuous people, and that's important. Um, but it, it's just it's a sexual fetish for so many people on the right, and it becomes a um, a a priority and a distraction in a way that actually does actively detract from uh, taking positive action um, and and like taking steps forward. Um, And it's so often just a media strategy anyway. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. What's number five? Number five, don't be cowed by ad hominem attacks. Yeah, they have gone after DeSantis with that 60 minutes totally fake story um, about Publix. Everyone knows you don't go after Publix. Um, (laughs) Number six, quit trying to make the corrupt media like you. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Number seven, don't waste energy on issues the press says matter that actually don't. Another good one. And number eight, really just stop trusting the corporate press for Pete's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this is another thing, though, that so many, and this was a, a big complaint that I had during the, the Trump administration is that often when they went to uh, their media strategy, it was all the time. I mean, they talked to the corporate press. They talked to legacy media. They talked to the people who, uh, and they leaked to those people and gave stories to those people um, because they are still very powerful. But if you want to make them less powerful, as the administration said they wanted to, then what you should be doing is empowering the alternative sources and and giving uh, information to them to vet, to be vetted and to bring to the other side and to be reported out. Um, And, you know, it, it just... 
continuing to to work with the bad actors is a a mistake that so many Republicans make because a lot of them chase good press. They just want the New York Times to say something. (laughs) It's never going to happen. You should never want the New York Times to say something good about you. (laughs) But they do. And you know, Ella, as like a a young journalist who's, uh, you know, had classes and whatever else with other young journalists, a lot of you know conservative people with conservative or heterodox worldviews, they still want the same thing too. There's something about the the air of prestige, which is totally false, that surrounds those institutions, um, that is very seductive for even Republicans who are constantly battered by them. Sure, and yeah, we've seen that um, with it was Spencer Cox uh, in Utah, who's the other governor that that backed down on um, women's sports in the past week. Uh, yeah, I forget the exact name, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know why these people, th- these media outlets are not going to give you good press anyway if you're doing anything short of of their agenda, which, as we see from Disney, is is very radical and very far left. Um, and so, if, if they're not going to give you good press anyway, then then why go halfway? Why not? Why not just um, lean into you know what you believe in it and fight for it? Well, it's the same thing with Disney. Um, Disney may bring a lot of business into your state, but they're also going to, uh, we know now, sap the culture, um, engage in cronyism, and uh, they will throw you under the bus as soon as it becomes uh, important for their bottom line as they see it to do so. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Ron DeSantis backed down on this bill because Disney's CEO called him, you, you think Disney was going to wake up the next morning and, and love Ron DeSantis? Of course not. They're just, they're just going to realize that they have leverage and they're, they're going to use it even further. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. Elle, is there anything else you think we should know about Ron DeSantis or Florida? Um, Let don't. me ask you this. You were going to say no. Um, and I think that's that would be an inaccurate response because Joe Rogan has recently been um, contemplating the relationship between Floridians and uh alligators and <laughs> whether the uh, close contact that Floridians often come into, so often come into with alligators, which he refers to as dinosaurs um, accurately. Um, so is that what makes Florida the craziest state? Is that what injects this this uh, seemingly uh, universal insanity into the mind of a Floridian. It's it's their close contact with dinosaurs with on dinosaurs. golf courses and, and their properties. Um, well, I, I don't know if this is a direct answer to your question, <laughs> but did you know I've gone alligator hunting, Emily? Have you? I have, legally, because there's a very complicated process. You have to get like particular tags for it, but yeah. How was it? It was fun. We went out on an airboat. We got a... a it was like a 10-foot alligator. It was a big one. You got a dinosaur. We did, yeah. Oh! <laughs> uh, my knowledge of uh, gator hunting is limited to an episode of the Kardashians, oh, I believe, no. where Scott Disick <laughs> goes gator hunting, uh, which was enlightening in many ways. No, my grandparents live, uh, they have a house on a lake um, that we would swim in as kids. And like occasionally you'd, you'd see an alligator um, oh. out in the middle of the lake. But yeah, they never, they never bothered you. But yeah, whenever anyone visited from out of state, they were they were terrified. You have single-handedly just proved Joe Rogan's theory correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Elle Reynolds, uh, assistant editor at The Federalist, for your time today and for all your reporting on these topics. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> You've been listening to another edition of The Federalist Radio Hour. I'm Emily Jashinsky, culture I editor here like at The Federalist. The we will be back soon with more. You Until then, be lovers the of freedom and anxious for the fray. Day.